podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey gang, quick bit of housekeeping for you before we start the show. And this is only relevant to those of you who listen to us on the Apple Podcasts app or via Apple. So if you don't move along, as the great Obi-Wan Kenobi would say, nothing to see here. But if you do listen to us via Apple, listen carefully, particularly if you're an old school listener of the show. Before we became the Nat Coombs show on ESPN, when we were the NFL show, you would have got the show updated when we moved without having to do a thing. But that's because the old show had a divert put on it. So to check, you'll subscribe to the new feed because the old one is going to go pretty soon. Check out the Nat Coombs show. Search for it on the app via the podcast browse section or the store section if you're looking on the desktop and find our show and see if it shows whether you're subscribed or not. If you are, great, you're on the right feed. If you're not, hit subscribe and delete the old one. So head on over, not in your library, but actually onto Apple. Search the Nat Coombs show. Make sure you're subscribed to the feed that you find. Simple. Good luck. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show on ESPN. Good to have you with us. Two wonderful guests coming your way, leading off with NFL UK royalty. Jay Bell back in the house. A lot to get into with him. Looking forward to getting his take on stuff. As indeed, I'm looking forward to catching up with Asmir Begovic, Milan keeper, New England Patriots super fan, which means he is going to have a very, very big smile on his face with the Cam Newton news this week. Things are looking up for the Patriots. Maybe the playoffs are back on. I bet Asmir feels that they are certainly in contention. So looking forward to talking all things Patriots with Asmir. But we're going to lead off with friend of the show, the excellent Jason Bell. Well, 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 Jason Bell, as I live and breathe. Good to see you, man. Good to see you too, man. I like your setup, man. That Peloton is making me jealous. Are we able to say Peloton? We are able to say that. We're we're angling for Peloton to sponsor us, maybe, if we uh, mention it a few more times. So that'll work well, yeah. All right. You know, because look at lockdown, right? And people have dealt with it in different ways. And some people have, I guess, struggled and kind of put put on weight. Their hair's grown out. They've grown, you know, crazy beards. I knew you wouldn't. I knew you wouldn't be affected by it at all, Jay Bell. Looking trimmer than ever. Looking slicker than ever. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm trying to stay on and get a good yoga in. You know, get some outdoor. Been walking a lot, man. Walking a lot. Nice. When you have a uh, bad back and bad knees and all the bad stuff that happens when you play football for your entire life, you uh you have to find a different way to work out. So I'm mm. I'm about to follow your lead and get that Peloton. Do you know what about the Peloton, Jay Bell? So I, I I got it. You know, I'm not obviously not a Jason Bell level athlete in, in case anyone was in any doubt on that on that fact but you know me jay bell i like to at a recreational level i play a lot of play a lot of football i like to i like to keep fit and healthy i thought the peloton you know because it has a power ranking kind of leaderboard thing i thought you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna embarrass myself here i'm gonna hold my own <laughs> okay and and i've been on the but and you know let's say there's a a, a, a class going on with twenty thousand people in it I, i've been kind of Middle of the pack. I can live with it. I can live with that. I'm comfortable. I'm warm with it. But you know what really gets me uh, freaked out is when I look at my score and that puts me 9,000th out of 20,000. I think, okay. <laughs> and then I go and look at the scores at the top of the leaderboard. <laughs> Presumably everybody in the NFL has a Peloton. Every professional athlete <laughs> in the world has a Peloton. How are they getting these scores? I mean, this is just... <laughs> I mean... Those dudes have some major output, man. It's some serious power in those guys' legs, man. My God, so, I got a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should never. That's why I wouldn't do it in a in any kind of situation where I was in some competitive uh, uh, nature standpoint. Because 
I just wouldn't want to fail myself. I believe I'm a better athlete than I am at this age. So yeah. I don't even want to know. You're, I was thinking you were going to say you're so competitive that you would just push it. And <laughs> you end up as a, a Peloton veterans champion. I can see that happening. As you well. know what? I'm talking crazy. I probably would, man. You know me. You, you know me too well, man. 100%. Well, listen, Matt, it's great to see you. There's a lot we're going to get into on the show today. Um, obviously, we've got to lead off with the Cam Newton mm. deal. And uh, it's worth pointing out, Asmir Begovic is joining us later on. Uh, and of course, he's a Patriots super fan. So we're going to deep dive uh, on Cam with Asmir. But I want to get your take on it all because I think it's fair to say, Jay Bell, it's taken us all by surprise, right? Uh, in all kinds of different ways that when the deal dropped, the fact that it's a, a one-year deal with a base salary for Cam of a million dollars pretty much. Uh, and, it, and, it, and it does seem to me to be interesting timing, right? Like why now? Why when they could have looked at somebody in the draft, they, certainly all the veterans on the market that have gone before him it does seem to be an interesting timing and especially given all the rhetoric that Jarrett Stidham's our guy and he's our guy and everybody says Stidham's starting week one so what do you make of the Cam Newton deal what I think is the price was finally right this Mm. is classic Bill Belichick he let Cam go out there test the market see what he had see what his options were when he dropped to a point where it was all about he knew he was going to get a prove-it deal What better place to go prove it than New England? It all made sense financially for Bill Belichick and the Patriots to make that happen. And I've had friends that have played for New England that have played other places. And the one thing I remember one of my friends telling me vividly was, if you play well against Bill Belichick and you come up and and, and the price is right, he's going to get you. He's always going to remember what you can do well because you did it against him and he's going to use you the same way. And we all know Cam's success versus New England. So when the price became right, Bill Belichick jumped all over it. And it is an astonishing move. Do you think that Cam Newton is going to start week one? I hope so. I I, I flat out hope so. Man, the NFL is going to be so exciting. We're watching Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, watching Cam Newton, for the Patriots, I mean, he, I, I hope he starts week one. One thing when you look at Cam that's going to be uh, really fascinating is as great as a runner as Cam is, he's never really been a scrambler. Mm. You know, he doesn't he, – he, he, when he drops back, he's trying to throw. And that happens with guys like that because coaches try to force him to throw because they're so good at running. But in New England, I feel like Belichick's going to say, you know what? If you don't get that read you want, go, run. Don't sit back there. Make it happen. He's never really done that his whole uh, uh, career. He's done well on the design runs, but, you know, those second reaction plays, which is what – that's what New England has, hasn't had with Tom Brady. I mean, he could do a throw on the ball, but not mm-hmm. like with his legs. So I would think that would put a whole new di- dimension to this offense and what Josh McDaniels can do. Well, McDaniels as well with his, with his time in Denver and, and when he had Tebow uh, and, and therefore the innovation that he was looking at there as well. And Cam is, with respect to Tebow and everything achieved in college, clearly a, 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 a far more you know, superior quarterback. So that is, that is exciting. Uh, I'm going to go to social media, Jay, for a minute because this is a good one from Drew. At the NC Show is how you get in touch with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. He says, uh, "Jay Bell, excited to see Cam in, a, in Josh McDaniels' offense, especially if the defense are as good as last year. The secondary is arguably 
the best in the league? Do you think it is? Where does the, the Patriots secondary rank for you in terms of best units in the NFL? Top to bottom, they are. Mm. I think Minnesota has the best safeties. But as far as the whole uh, secondary as a whole, they are the best. And if you watch the way they play, they play so much man coverage in the back end in that secondary. It allows them to be innovative in the front, right? If you're going to do all the schemes, all the stunts, all the different stuff that they do at the front to confuse the, the offense, you got to play man coverage in the back, and that's what they do. And you're right. With that defense, what you can do is what they've been successful at. They were They had success running the ball, you know, moving the chains, keeping the clock going. And that's what Cam will bring them. The way people will have to play that offense will allow them to run the ball in such a dynamic way that gives that defense, which is your stalwart, rest. Remember, if you're running the ball, your defense is off the field getting rest to go out there and dominate the next series they have to be out there. Great point. So things looking up for, for the Patriots then. For the season as a whole, news breaking in the last 24 hours. The NFL hasn't, at the time we're recording this, confirmed it yet, but it is widely reported that the preseason is going to be cut in half. So two of the four preseason games are going to be gone. Any surprise with that, Jay, given what's going on right now with, uh, you know, with the, the pandemic spiking in different parts of, of the states? Was this always going to be the NFL's plan, irrespective of that, do you think? Uh, yeah, this doesn't surprise me at all. I think when the schedule came out and the detail with all the contingency plans they had early on, they were giving themselves flexibility because they understood and they still understand that this virus is going to dictate what you do. The pandemic is going to do its own thing. So they've given themselves flexibility to adjust the schedule however they need to. So the preseason games are not that important. It gives teams more time to focus in and get ready for the season and, and, and not have to worry about the games. And then it's going to it's going to show actually the NFL are they able to start off the season and have a good product in the years uh, forward without a huge preseason, which yeah. players ultimately wanted to cut down anyway. It's a really good good shot. We can sense and, and certainly coaches like Sean McVay and others were sort of driving for for that change to happen anyway. So it's a good opportunity, as you say, for them to implement it and and, and create the precedent. You are one of the hardest working men in showbiz. We, we know that. And uh, you, you're also one of the most connected men in, in showbiz. So you've got a lot, a, a wide network in, in the NFL. In terms of your friends, uh, 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 you know, uh, contacts over in, in, in the NFL, in the States at the moment, on the playing side, J-Bell, what are you hearing? What is, what is it like? What's the feedback with this really unorthodox and, and quite fractious off-season and, and, and pre-season? Well, you get kind of mixed reviews and it's kind of the haves and the have-nots in the nfl it always has been right even though you're in the same locker room you have two sets of different players and salaries uh, so for the top end guys you know they got everything they need personal trainers gyms all that kind of stuff right i mean you you hear i, I remember russell wilson when he came down here uh, came to the uk years ago he had his whole team with him he was traveling right. around i mean and and obviously that's what russell wilson can afford uh, so you have guys that are training like that and and they, it's actually giving them more time with their trainers their personal trainers to work on the things that they need to do mm -hmm. so some players really like that what you see on the bottom scale with the with the 
rookies coming in and the players that don't have the resources is they are, it is a little harder. Those are uh, players that would like to be at the facility, you know, using all of those skills that are accessible to them. So you do see a little frustration with those guys, but you know, in reality, everybody knows what they have to do to get ready and what this is going to show. And this is going to show the teams who really on your roster is disciplined. Mm. Who is going to go out and take care of their business and come in ready to play? I mean, football back in the days, you know, when it first started, training camp was so hard because those dudes had full-time jobs, man. You know, yeah, they, were coming, yeah, yeah. they were coming from the factory to the field. So yeah. uh, they had to get in shape in that condensed amount of time and get ready to play. Things have changed. That's why we've been able to back off on the offseason and training camp the way we have. But, you know, it's just guys are going to have to come in ready to play. And you're going to see the veteran teams, the players that know how to work and know how to get their body ready to go, should have an advantage as the season starts. What about the rookies, though? Because I mean, this is the, I guess there are, there are the two main camps of, of groups of, of players that are going to be most affected by this offseason are, are those that have changed teams, so have to uh, adjust to, to new teammates, to a new system, uh, and obviously rookies, right? So as, as somebody who went through that process, a rookie coming into the, the NFL, how do you think you would have dealt with this? Or how, would, how are rookies dealing with this wildly different uh, introduction to the league than, than they expected they were going to get? You know, this really, this is really, once again, it's two type of players. So there are players that learn straight from the playbook, right? They get in it, and I play with guys like this, literally snapshots of the playbook. They have it in their head. And there's some players that need to walk through things, walk through adjustments, walk through coverages. And, and most players like a steady blend of it. What were you, so, a bit of both? I was a bit of both. I could, I knew what to do as far as what the playbook said. But I needed to see it in live action color. So if I turned on the film, that was that was really good for me watching the tape. But walking through really did help me. It 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 gave me a sense of the feel of the game. I'll, I'll give you an example. When I was in Dallas, our defensive back coach, Clancy Pendergast was his name, became a coordinator, and he would walk us up and down the field uh, from the twenty, like we kicked the ball off to all the way to the red zone, and we talked about. Uh, what offenses are trying to do, how our technique would change. I mean, it was outstanding. It helped me. It set me up for the rest of my career. Mm. Those are things young players need. I needed that as a rookie, and they're not going to get that. They're not going to get that hands-on, this is what works for you and this is what doesn't, until they get in the facility. So that's going to be a learning curve that they have to deal with. Interesting. It's uh, strange times, isn't it? Strange times. But it looks, I think, despite, uh, and there's so much we, we, we don't know and can't predict, and, and it's particularly difficult at the moment, as I said earlier, with the spikes that are happening in, 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 uh, all across America. So the NFL has been talking a, a dogmatic or taking a dogmatic position and talking a, a strong game that the season starts on time. That's still you know, up in the air for sure. But I, I guess uh, looking at the, the precedent that other sporting leagues around the world, even looking at what the NBA are doing with, with the bubble, that do you think that one way or another, the NFL will get this done and the season will start on time? Well, I think the NFL has an advantage because like anything, when you have the, uh, the data out there to collect because everyone else is playing and the NFL is not. Uh, they can figure out what works 
well and work what doesn't. And that's right. the advantage the NFL has. So they're going to be able to see how all the leagues and all the different teams have adjusted and take that and use that and implement that strategy. So that gives, them, gives me a lot of hope on their ability to make this happen. Everybody wants to see uh, the NFL and live action, how they do that. They have to totally be flexible. But I think that because of all the information out there and, and the timing they have, remember, it's all about timing. Mm. And that gives them the opportunity to do the best uh, at opening up. Would you want to play in this situation, J-Bell? So, you know, if you, were, if you were still playing and this was going on, because there seemed to be, and, uh, you know, I know this isn't specific to the NFL. There are hearing athletes from all different codes talking about the, at least the, at the very least, the, the challenges they have with, with playing in an environment where this is going on, not necessarily from a self-interest point of view, but that is a, that is a more than reasonable concern to have, but just the principle that there is this going on in the world and this game doesn't mean as much to me at the moment because of that. How would you have found it? I mean, because it's difficult, I guess, because it's your livelihood and it's, you know, it's, it's everything to you professionally, but at the same time, you can understand why some players are more than distracted. Yeah, I totally get that. You know, it's, uh, uncertainty is scary, regardless of what it is. And there's a ton of uncertainty on our planet right now. Right. So I think that you have to, obviously, that's a big caveat in all this. But I will say this. You know, the NFL, I played in the league when 9-11 happened. Mm. And we missed the first game. And I'm as sad as a time that was, I'm very proud that I felt like the NFL as a game kind of led our country back to some sense of normalcy because, you know, we, 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 we did not hide from what happened. Uh, everybody was emotionally scarred, but we went out there and we gave them a healthy distraction mm. and we kind of, you know, kind of, patch the country back together a little bit yeah you know for lack of a better word and, and and i just live that so i think in this circumstance the nfl as a league and a whole can give people an escape and that's what sports does that's why people love it that's why people have a connection to it so i think the nfl has a great opportunity to continue to do that and i'm hoping they do it because it's going to do it for me as an individual also so, yeah, I mean, yeah. I would have loved to be out there and do it. I would have been worried and concerned. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, on, a, on another note, I mean, it's, it's off topic, but I will, you know, no fans in the stands. I played mm. against plenty of receivers that went in fans in the stands. They got good, man. They got good. They started falling. So, no fans. You know, I'm like, man, make this practice. Maybe I can cover you better. I can so take I this. I don't know, man. Yeah, this dude is all right in practice, but in the game, he's killing me. So, no, I just, yeah. So, uh, I'm Did you find that? see that. On the, on, on the receiver side i could definitely believe that i could definitely believe that uh, on the corner side as well i mean were you how much did you vibe off of i mean you must do right certainly in those positions you must vibe off the energy of the crowd oh yeah let, let me to the fans and the players go together that mm. energy is real we feel it out there we might not hear you know you yelling but we feel the energy. <laughs> Jay Bell, you're the a, greatest. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real thing. Yeah, Jay Bell, get that 33 out of here. He sucks. That's what I used to hear. So I'd be like, man, I need, I, need, I need to get on this bus, man. These people are crazy. Um, but, but um, you know, we feel that. But I will say this. I remember Aaron Glenn. I, I've talked about him before. He's uh, coaching 
in New Orleans, uh, he would tell us young player stuff. And he would always say, there are guys that can take it from the classroom on the field. There's guys who can take it from the practice field on the field. And there's those that can't. Mm. And I would see that people that practiced a certain way got on the field and it just didn't happen. I've very rarely seen guys just completely change and play better. One of the guys, I won't mention his name, he lasted a couple years in Dallas, uh, didn't have a great career because he had off the field issues. But I saw this guy, I was starting over him in Dallas, and he went on the field and he said, Jay Bell, I like your game, uh, but I don't really show up to the game time. I'm like, yeah, whatever, kid. Man, <laughs> he, he got in a preseason game. I was like, he is not the same person. Who is he? He's great. So, yeah, it's, 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 yeah this dude is man he really is good so you know yeah. it's uh certain guys like that so yeah. we'll, we'll see you know when you're out there you find a way the competition motivates you and I, i'm i'm really interested to if if it is you know say there is no fans or whatever it's not as many I, those conversations on the field are are hilarious so mm. uh hearing more of those is highly entertaining oh i'm very much looking forward to that no doubt well I um, thought it might make sense having you on to recap some of the, the best deals of the offseason so far. Particularly, I think you put Cam, uh, certainly, you know, potentially in that camp, given, as you rightly say, that the price, the upside, it could end up being one of the, the steals of the season. But there have been a lot of deals done, some good, some not so good. I thought it made sense to, to recap some of them and get your take on it, particularly in terms of how uh, those deals, that player being in that situation, a new situation is going to impact that, that team and indeed the team is leaving behind. So, let, we've got to start with a corner with you, with you okay. on J-Bell. So I want to start with Byron Jones going to, to Miami. Five, uh, five years, 82 million of which roughly half of that's guaranteed. Um, I mean, firstly, he hooks up with Xavier and Howard, right? So, I mean, that is a serious tag team. Okay, let's look at this. This is real simple because I love corners. You basically have the New England defense approach, right? Uh, you want to play man-to-man coverage, preferably bump and run, especially on third and short. Get up there, get physical with the receivers. That's what Byron Jones does. With Xavier and Howard on the other side, who are you going to throw to? Like, you are literally taking out your the team's two best options in man-to-man bump and run coverage. These right. are not guys you have to, that are elite corners that have to play zone. Uh, maybe zone coverage that turn into man. These guys can get up in your face and be physical. This is exactly what that defense needs to be because just like New England, they want to be able to play man-to-man coverage and be exotic up front, be able to move people around and do things like that. That's why they got Kyle Van Noy from New England to do that. This is what we're going to see. Great matchup, great pickup. Yeah, I'm liking the sound of that. The on the other side, Dallas letting him go. And he said at the time, I think, Byron Jones said at the time, that he didn't feel that the, the Prescott situation, Amari Cooper getting paid as well, obviously Zeke getting paid last season, didn't feel that that affected it. That it, wasn't, um, it wasn't an impact. But, but in some respects, it's got to be, right? If you're paying big left, right, and center, I think you've made this point on, on our show before, that at some point, you got, you know, the tap has got to be turned off. Does that frustrate you when you look at, obviously, Dak, you know, quarterback, uh, you know, you build your team around that. But at the same time, when you look at every other player on the roster, that this is an elite corner. Why aren't they looking at paying him as well and, and weighing this up? Certainly when you're looking at the running back situation and the fact that the, the, the value of running backs has diminished quite significantly in, in the NFL in recent years. Amari Cooper is effective, but this was a, such a, a, a receiver-heavy draft, let alone anything else. I mean, that, they looked at that, that way as well. So were you surprised the Cowboys didn't try and hang on to him? 
I wasn't surprised because I knew they that the Cowboys knew they couldn't afford him. It wasn't that they didn't want him. It was they had Dak, you know. Yeah. They just paid Zeke, Amari, you know. So it was one of those things where this guy is going to outprice us. And they knew it all season. You could hear things uh, where they understood he was going to be completely out of their price range because he played like that. I think the one thing to look at it is why he was also why he wasn't the guy. Listen, he's an elite player, but is Byron Jones selling jerseys nationwide? Sure. You know, you know, is he Deion Sanders where he's just everybody's coming to get the, the Deion show, you know, get the Deion ticket? Mm. And no, he's not. He's a great player, but he's, you know, he's not flashy. Mm. And sometimes in a position like corner, you got to have that flash because you got to sell tickets. People got to c- want to come see your show, regardless if nobody's catching the ball and you are not. That's what, mm. make J- that's what makes Jalen Ramsey so tough you know people are always looking at him what is he doing you know how is he playing because he's got that look at me uh kind of swagger so i yeah. think that he's still listen nobody's crying for byron jones okay uh he, he he's all right right now he's got <laughs> he got big money but i think that, yeah. all, that always goes into the equation when you're a defensive player he was he's 27 and obviously he transitioned right so the cowboys playing him at safety moved to corner what is peak what do you think peak corner age is in the nfl I'd say 25 to mm. 29, you know, 28, 29, around there. It's hard. At 30, I think what happens to a lot of corners, um, a lot of corners is they kind of just lose, I'd say, that reactive balance, I like to call it. It's kind of mm. the same thing that happens to running backs, right? Running backs, it's all of a sudden they don't have contact balance. You know, all of a sudden they get hit and they fall like differently than they ever have. You know, they still look fine in the drills and whatever, but it's that that contact balance. And I think um, mm. you lose a little bit of that reaction balance as a corner as you get older. Uh, some some guys uh, keep it for a long time, but you, you see it when they say they lost step. It's really just a reaction step. So that's that kind of happens in the latter part of your career. Okay. So Byron, we're going to have another corner later on, but I want to go to two receivers next. Two teams on the up, two teams with young quarterbacks uh, desperately needing number one receivers, so that's why they did the deals that they did. Let's start with Stefan Diggs to, to the Bills. Costing Buffalo a lot, J-Belt. A first rounder, a fifth or sixth in this year's draft, and a, and a fourth rounder in next year's draft. Uh, Minnesota got a, a seventh rounder this time around. And incidentally, the Vikings took Justin Jefferson with that, the first round pick from LSU, the receiver that they got got from the Bills. He'll go in, obviously, as the main guy. You had John Brown with a 1,000-yard season last year. Cole Beasley was next in line with around 700 and change. And the next highest receiver after that was a tight end Dawson uh, Knox with 388. So you can see why they've done this, right? Uh, and, and it makes a lot of sense. 26 in passing yards last year, 24th in receiving touchdowns. It was quite clearly the, the, a weak link they needed to fix. Um, is Stefan Diggs, clearly an elite player, the right fit for, for this Buffalo offense, do you think? Yes, because this is all about giving the quarterback what he needs to be successful. Josh Allen playing in that weather, we understand he's got a strong arm. He's going to throw the ball vertically, and he's going to go after those big chunk plays. Stefan Diggs is an elite deep route runner, period. Mm. You know, he can run the deep ends, uh, digs, you know, post, all that good stuff. He's a great deep comebacks. All the routes 
that are what Josh Allen wants to throw. And then you have Brown on the other side who, you, you know, who are you going to pick, right? Mm -hmm. And you got Cole Beasy killing you on the inside. This is great. This is all about fitting what their quarterback style of play is. That's why they went out and did this. They knew in the draft they could not guarantee a player like this that was proven. That's why they've made this move. They are right there, right? This is their opportunity in the East, in the AFC East. So right. they went out and they they went out and got the guy they knew they needed to accomplish the goals on offense. Where are you on Josh Allen? It was a good piece on, by Bill Barnwell about him uh, on ESPN looking at him and looking at his body of work so far as, as a quarterback, because I think he it's fair to say he divides opinion, right? He clearly has yeah. a huge amount of talent and upside, but he's not the, the finished article yet. And not, not necessarily should he be at his age, but I guess he's kind of damned in comparison with, you know, Mahomes uh, uh, in particular um, and other quarterbacks of a similar age and a similar experience that are lights out already. But one of the things Barnwell mentioned in his piece, which stood out for me, so Allen's had uh, last season, four fourth quarter comebacks, five game-winning drives in the fourth quarter, which led the league. So if nothing else, he's definitely got moxie. He's definitely got, got steel, hasn't he, to, to, be, to be presiding over those kind, of, those kind of stats. Yeah. First of all, those are huge stats because you – winning games is the key. Comebacks are the key. If, if that's who you are, that's who you are. And he's proven he can do that. You know, it takes – I'd say – about your sixth year in the league, you kind of click as a quarterback. You know, you've seen it all. You've done it all. This is who you are. It takes a while. That's why people have so much patience with that position. Mm -hmm. So he's the kind of guy that he's just figuring out what he can do and how he can do it. So the, the book is not written on him. This is early in the first chapter. And I think he's going to continue to figure out what he can do and how he can do it. But the one thing he's proven is the thing you said, the most important thing, this guy doesn't quit. And when mm. your quarterback doesn't quit, your team doesn't quit. Digs to a Buffalo then, big deal. I've got to talk about the DeAndre Hopkins deal to the card. So just to remind listeners, I'm sure this deal in particular is going to be indelibly inked on the, <laughs> the brains of every Texans fan ever. David Johnson in a second round pick. So he's put those deals next to each other. And I know they're not yeah. they're different style receivers uh, at different ages. I get that. But just look at those two deals together. Look, Bill O'Brien has been absolutely slated for, for the deal. And it's an easy target. Is there any way of, of trying to rationalize or understand, in all seriousness, what, what on earth went down there? What we don't know is we don't know what uh, D. Hopkins was demanding, mm. right? What was he saying to Bill O'Brien? Did Bill O'Brien say, man, this is not going to happen. Well, I, we're not going to sign this guy. He's going to hold out, you know, because he wanted a new deal. Yeah. So those conversations, uh, nobody understands or knows what they entail. So because of that, I'm going to kind of just be a little sensitive yeah. on throwing the book at uh, uh, Bill O'Brien. Well, I'm glad you uh, said that, Jay Bell, because you are the, pretty much the first person that, that, has, that I've spoken to that, that has seen it that pragmatically. And that's what struck me from the, from the beginning here. Everybody was keen to pile in on Bill O'Brien. It's the worst deal in, in history. Things can't always be that simple. He's not an idiot. He's not going to give away a superstar unless they're, they're there must have been underlying factors there. The problem is they can't play, he can't play good cop, bad cop, because he's mm. the only cop, right? Uh, he, you know, he's, he's the head coach and he's the GM. Right. And that's the problem. 
Uh, there's no separation of power. There's no GM coming in saying, hey, man, I know you and the coach are having a problem. Uh, you know, I'll figure out. Or a coach saying, man, I know they're not trying to pay you, but you're my guy. Yeah. Those conversations are not, they're, they're not existent. So because of that, he's having to face all of the truths of how I treat you as a player and then how I negotiate your deal. And that's, that's very hard to do when you're talking to a player. Now you have to coach. So I, it wasn't going to work out. And that's why this trade was forced to happen. Uh, Ross Blacklock, a uh, defensive tackle, was the second round pick or the player they, they, they took with the second round pick they got. It would be in my mind, brilliant. If David Johnson ran for 1,700 yards this season, I would love that. I would love that. Tebow Billabrook. The um, British board gang tweeted us. That great uh, handle, incidentally. British board gang. Loving yeah, your work. Yeah. Um, the biggest heist will always be the Hopkins to Arizona trade. Still don't believe they pulled that one off. A heist <laughs> is uh, heavy, heavy language, but, fair, but a fair point. We'll see. We should see. Um, I love, speaking of the Cam upside deal, Jameis Winston to the Saints for... Very similar deal, wasn't it? A million and a million and change. I love that. There's a get a huge amount of upside for for Jameis and and for the Saints as well. With Drew Brees coming to to the end of his career, realistically, this is great for Jameis because he's going to be able to learn from the best in the business with his head coach and his quarterback. Imagine being able to sit in that room and fine tune your skill set, not only out there on the practice field with technique, but how you see the game, how you cerebrally break down things. One of his biggest problems is his decision-making with the interceptions. You get to now watch Drew Brees and how he avoids those situations, right? We know Drew Brees is, is, is almost out of the league. Uh, this is the end of his career. And if Jameis Winston can find a way to really pick up on his, on the, his, pick his tools up on the things and the skills he was lacking in, this could be a game-changer for his career. And if anybody can do it, it's Sean Payton. So right. this, was, this was a very good move by him. I echo all of that. Love that deal. Uh, another corner. Again, one of the, uh, the best in the business. The Eagles trading for Darius Slay. So a third and a fifth rounder for Slay, making him uh, the NFL's highest paid corner in the process. And it was really interesting when it all went down, what Slay was saying about um, the Lions and, and Matt Patricia in particular, uh, and how he lost all respect for him calling uh, Patricia calling him out in a team meeting and not calling him out as some people reported or is was was understood calling him out for for poor performance or rather Slay said like I'm fine with that I'm fine with getting singled out that, that you know that happens as, as, as you will attest to Jay Butler that's part and parcel of, of how it goes down but it was what else uh, Patricia did according to Slay and the way that he essentially went beyond that and I think I think Slay said in an interview it was something to do with an Instagram post or a social media post and and Patricia overstepped the mark in Slay's eyes right what did he make of that was a strange turn of events wasn't it and and doesn't bode well for for, for Lions fans if that kind of handling when you factor in Quandre Diggs going last season as well like what you brought in Patricia to create this elite defense, defensively minded guy that has been there in New England for all those years as Belichick's lieutenant, it's not going at all to plan. He can't be letting a player like Darius Slay go. Yeah, well, you always hear about the Patriot way and when other coaches go to other places trying to implement that philosophy. That's very hard to do because it takes a long time for the for, it took a long time for the Patriot way to be the Patriot way. And mm. those guys self-regulated themselves in the locker room in New England. 
that's always been an issue when you hear about a lot of these uh, Patriot coaches that go other places when they try to be too much like Bill Belichick. How and much of an issue, Jay Bell, is it, is it with, with Patricia in particular? Because, look, he's uh, – and I think – correct me if I'm wrong, but did he go through as a linebacker's coach and then went up that way, I think, through, through the Patriots? He certainly – well, uh, certainly on the defensive side of the ball was not a, a typical ex-pro – had been there in the league for X number of years, yet won respect to the players and built his reputation up despite that, that he was one of those coaches that could come in and they still respected him, even though he, he obviously didn't play at their level. How much of that is an issue? Because that became entrenched in, in Foxborough. When you take that somewhere else, is that an issue for certain players that you're thinking, you look, you know, you're looking at a head coach and thinking, unless you're dealing with someone like Belichick, you're thinking, you never played the game, you know, you know, and, and not listening, respecting in that way. I think players respect coaches that want to coach them up and want to do it from the standpoint and understanding that player's skill set and what they can and can't do. And I, I mean, you listen to what Bill Lecek says, and I mean, that, that's how he looks at guys. So if you come in, I don't care if you played or you didn't, but if you can look at me and say, hey, I've seen what you can do, you know, do this, avoid that, you know, focus on this. Don't do that. I've seen a guy who plays like you go watch him. These mm -hmm. are the things that are going to work for you. That's what, that's what co players want. We want to be invested in. So as long as you invest in us, we'll respond. So, I, you know, sometimes guys that played the game and were successful can't really coach because right. they don't understand why you can't do what they did, you know, mm -hmm. cause I'm not you. So, uh, that's a funny story. Deion Sanders came to our practice one time and told us a bunch of stuff. And our coach pulled us over at the end and said, uh, don't listen to any of that because you guys can't do it. So that was uh, from, from Deion. <laughs> Literally, he said, fellas, yeah. erase all that. You can't do it. You can't so, do it. Um, it's a great point, though. You hear like, a, I mean, there are, you see this in football and, in, you know, in soccer a lot that terrific players, they get frustrated really when they're coaching and, and managing because the players can't do it. They can't do what comes naturally to them. And so it kind of makes sense in that respect, but it is curious. And I wonder whether, you know, Patricia is, um, as you rightly say, like trying to evoke his inner Belichick and it will go and horribly wrong. Uh, anyway, it's the Eagles game. So Slay goes to a secondary that needed, uh, needed they had, help. They had, they had, they had to get a corner mm. and uh, uh, mind blank right now, the defensive coordinator, um, was his coach in Detroit, and he played well under him. Schwartz is his guy, man, so he's played well under him. This is going to be great for the Eagles because he needed a number one corner over there to do what he wants to do with that defense. So this is really going to set them up for success in Philly. One more for the road, Jay Bell. Jarrell Casey to the Broncos. He's a five-time pro bowler going for a seventh-round pick. I mean, that has got to be one of the steals of the offseason, doesn't it? Once again, price, right? It's all about what he wanted to get paid and they mm. weren't going to do it and all that kind of stuff. But he's from my hometown, Long Beach, California, one of the greats, you know, I'm just saying. But <laughs> the guy, what, what's, what I'm really happy about him is that he's going to Denver and he's with Vic Fangio. And Vic Fangio, he's a great run stopper. Vic Fangio loves to, he's the opposite. He wants to do all of the moving around, shifting coverage in the back, right? He wants to get all fun back there. So he, he has to be simple up front, right? Because you can't do it on both ends. Mm. So this gives him a player that's up front that can stop the run and do, beat the man in front of him. So good move for them.
loving that there are a ton more and we want to hear from you as well deals that we didn't talk about because we will catch up on more of them it's always good i think it's always important to recap with so much a freight train of information that has been flying past us in recent months to recap on, on the good the bad uh, and the ugly one more deal that hasn't been done yet that, that i want uh, to to leave uh, on jadavian Clowney, j belt still looking for a new home what's going on there and where do you think he could end up well, it's, for him, the interest is there. He's just asking for a dollar amount that the market is not willing to pay right now. Mm. Uh, so, I, you know, there's Seattle wants him back. We know that. Uh, anywhere he would go, he's going to just be a force. Because, you know, I know people get on him about the sacks and stuff. But in this league, you have to stop the run. You have to be a bully on the line of scrimmage, and that's what he is. So at some point, he's going to have to either – a, accept what the, the market's willing to pay, or B, sit out. That's his decision. Uh, but I think right now for him, what's the rush? Nobody's back doing anything. So somebody will need him, and the price will be right. He'll still get a ton of money, but it's not going to be what he wanted. All right. Cracking stuff, j Bell. It's a, a brilliant to catch up with you, man. It's been too long. You're looking well. You're looking good. <laughs> You're looking even better when you get that peloton. Get on, get on the man. case there. I'm I'm putting it in the back, man. I might next time we do this, I might be on it. That's Let's how do a old show it on Peloton. Yeah. I'll still be around eleven thousand out of seventeen thousand. <laughs> You'll be in the top twenty, J Bell. I bet you. Hey, man, I forget every name we talk about. You'll be like this guy. Be like, man, I don't know what you're talking it's about. Concentrating. Right now. Yeah, <laughs> the leaderboard. It's only the leaderboard. <laughs> Great to catch up, bud. Look after yourself. See you soon, yeah. Thank you, my brother. Lovely stuff from J-Bell. We will be checking in with him very soon. That is a guarantee, people, but we'll move things swiftly along. Cam Newton, the big story in the NFL this week. So we thought it was about time that we caught up with an old friend who is one of the nicest guys in the business, one of the best footballers in the business, and one of the biggest New England Patriots fans in the business. So that's a pretty decent trifecta. Uh, very happy about the Cam Newton news, I am sure. So let's check in with the brilliant Asmir Begovic. Asma, good to see you, man. So how is, how is Milan? How is uh, uh, lockdown or, or post-lockdown, I guess, if, if you're now back playing football again, must, must feel pretty good? Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, it's great to be back with you again. We haven't seen each other in a couple of months, so that's always been uh, it's always a long, it's actually quite a long break for us. So that's, that's True. Been, it's, nice, hey, it's nice to come back. Not much has happened, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> so we don't have much to talk about today. Exactly, exactly. But um, actually, Italy is very good. I mean, life is very much normal here. Again, everything is is open. It's been for a little while now. Um, traffic is back. Football is back. I think just the tourism now um, is slowly coming back to finish it all off. But it's good here. Um, football is back. We're playing, training regularly. Obviously, without fans, which is which is a shame at the moment. But it's um, it's the way it has to be done. Yeah. How are you finding that? How how weird is it being on? You know. In well, the, in it's it's certainly different. It's certainly different. I mean, I think we're getting used to it now. So it, it, we know there's no other option, no, no alternative at this moment in time. I mean, who knows? They might let some fans in towards the end, but you never know what's going to happen. But uh, ultimately, it's something we're getting used to. And I think now it's, you know, I think you can see with the level of play, it's all becoming a little bit better. But of course, it's not, it's not the real thing without the fans, that's for sure. You know, we got a question. We got a ton of questions in for you uh, at the NC show is how you get in touch with us on the show. I'm, I'm going to dive uh, unorthodox as it might be. Dive to a question early on because it relates to, to what we were just talking about actually from Nick Schneider. Appreciate this, Nick. He says, the fake crowd noise sort of works for the viewer in football, but there's an understandable lack 
of intensity in some of the games without supporters. Uh, Nick asks, will this be a bigger problem in the NFL with the stop-start nature of the game and, and the higher risk of injury to the players? It's an interesting point, isn't it, that the, the, the inevitable dynamic, I guess, changes. Is that going to be a particular problem in the NFL, do you reckon, if, if assuming, uh, as we do, there won't be fans, at least at the start of the season? Yeah, I think it's going to affect games for sure. I mean, um, you know, I think the home crowd factor is something that's always given advantage to certain teams and um, causes you trouble if you're the away team and all that kind of stuff. So it's always, you know, it's always going to play a factor. Um, that's for sure. I think you'll see with the NFL, with there being so so much at stake at each game, I, I don't think you're going to suffer too much of the lack of intensity because in the football games that I've watched over here, I think you kind of see the the players going through emotions and maybe games that don't matter as much right? Um, and have nothing to play for. So I think that intensity factor in the NFL shouldn't be too big of an issue. It's a great point. Every game counts pretty much. It's a, it's a fair point. Right, let's get down to business because there is a ton of Patriot stuff we've got to talk to you about. Obviously, leading off with the Cam Newton news. How excited, on a scale of 1 to 10, given it's been a pretty abject couple of months, let's be honest, for the Patriots, right? And don't try and spit it because it has. How excited were you when you heard the news, you woke up to the news, I'm sure like we all did in the UK, that the Patriots had signed Cam on a scale of 1 to 10. What's the, what's the Asmir Begovic number of that? No, it was a good good 8.5, 9. 8.5. I mean, yeah, no, it was, it was a solid number for sure. It was <laughs> one of those, like you said in the morning, I had to, you know, you grab your phone and you're like, you know, ESPN ticker thing up to you know life breaking news and I was like oh Patriots and I was like oh, Panthers no it's Patriots no <laughs> I had to t- exactly I had double, double take <laughs> <laughs> definite double take on that one and I'm excited you know why because when I've, I've been on your show before and we talked about the Patriots my biggest fear was that no man's land I think for any fan of any team mm. I think if you can see the sort of plan then 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 I think it makes it a lot more exciting and now it shows that the Patriots do want to win they want to compete for that vision title. They want to get into the playoffs. Um, or you're going to go on a complete rebuild. And I felt like what the Patriots were sort of doing was that in between, let's see how we go. Maybe in the middle of the season, we'll make some moves. If it isn't going well, and we'll go into the rebuild and get the draft picks. Whereas now, I think if you bring Cam Newton in, this shows you know your intent to win and um, you know win at all costs, I guess, in a way. So you think it's no question he starts, if he's fit and healthy, he starts week one? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I don't think I don't think Jared Stidham is in a position to have Cam Newton hang over his head um, if he if he was to start. Um, so I think if Cam Newton is is fit and ready and settles in half decently into into preseason into the system, then then he has to play. And I think he could he could be a really good really good addition, make a pretty big impact as well. That is quite a key point, though, isn't it? That we'd be talking a lot about. Uh the unorthodox off-season that every, every team is having, right? And, and particularly, that I guess, the impact that's having on new coaches, at, at, uh, new coordinators at, uh, at a team, obviously rookies, players in a different situation, all of these things. And given the timing of this, and, and that is something I wanted to ask you about as well, why the Patriots have waited this long to do it, your, your thoughts are on that. So well, I'll ask you that in a minute. But in terms of the, uh, the challenge that a, a quarterback, as experienced as Cam Newton coming in, fitting him into a system which undoubtedly is going to change and I, and I get that Josh McDaniel's time at Denver and his time using Tebow and he's going to have some interesting ideas I'm sure with with a player like Cam but nevertheless we're in July now the season if it starts on time is a couple of months away 
that's a hell of a jump, isn't it, to, to have him ready for week one? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's definitely going to be some growing pains, um, and that's for sure. And I think that, that'll go for most teams. I think that'll go, that goes for, for Brady with the Buccaneers and some other new, new quarterbacks you'll see in new systems. So I think it's definitely going to play a role. But I think when you have a player of Cam Newton's level, I think when you have a Josh McDaniels who's, you know, if not the best coordinator, one of the best coordinators in the game. So when you have Bill Belichick, the people at the highest end of the game, they, they will integrate him in the best possible way to make sure that transition is as smooth as possible. But as you say, there's going to be growing pains. He's going to have to get on the same page with his, with his running backs, his receivers, his tight ends. Um, and that's going to have to happen very quickly. But I think good players, high-level players, can adapt a lot quicker than, than maybe some others. It was a great answer, and I was constantly hanging on every word, but I was slightly distracted when you said Brady and Bucks and just watching if you flinched at all there and, <laughs> and how used you are now to saying did those I, two hey, words in the same sentence. Did I, did I show you my jersey? No, I didn't show you my jersey. Did I? No, wait, show me what your jersey uh, I've got the braid. I've, hold on, I've got the braid. I, let's see it. Wait, 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 wait. You haven't done it, have you? Oh, of course I have. Wait a minute. Here we go, baby. It's not a Brady Bucks jet. Surely it's not. There we go. <laughs> That's a bit begging me. There we go. I can't believe it, man. No, listen. My I don't know what I think the about Patriots, but I don't nah. know what I think. <laughs> I don't know what I think about. So, what happens if the Patriots, uh, in, in the likely event now that the Patriots and the Bucks will contest the Super Bowl? What happens? Where are you? You're, did I ask you this last time and you weren't sure? You'd be like, always oh, Patriots. Now I'm. No, I, I will still. I will still go with the Patriots, but mm. you know, wear that jersey already. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how the game goes. I'm yeah. already so better. It's like that family of four I saw. It was with Nicky Bandini. It was at the Houston, um, the, the, the Falcons Super Bowl. The family of four that walked out about five minutes into the third quarter. It still haunts me to this day, watching all of, <laughs> all of their Brady shirts. Um, I like to think they, they saw it at the hotel or something. But yeah, I bet those kids are never forgiving their dad uh, or their mom, whoever made that call for that one. So yeah, about the timing. It is a, I mean, I get it because the deal is what? A million in million and change as a base salary and then laden with incentives, right? So it, that makes a lot of sense economically for, for the Patriots. And that might be the answer as to why they, they held out this long. They were looking to see if other teams would offer Cam. Cam therefore was holding out for more money. He couldn't get a deal done. So that's why they swooped now. But nevertheless, it, it does seem to be quite late in the day, given the fact a lot of quarterbacks, veterans, rookies, if you, if you look at the draft, have come and gone without the Patriots making a move. So what do you make of the timing of the deal? Well, I think, you know, anyone would have liked it to happen a little bit sooner so that any kind of relationship building would have, would have started a little bit sooner than, than later, of course. But as we all know, the Patriots are the most business savvy franchise probably out there. So they would have been talking to Cam Newton, his representatives. They would have understood the market probably much better than we all have. And um, I think they would have waited until they can get Cam Newton at the absolute best price possible because this this is the beauty about this deal. It's such a low-risk, high-reward move that right. I think that's what gets everyone excited. And I think for the Patriots' point of view, they don't have a lot to lose with this one. This is all on the basis that the upside is all on the basis that he stays fit, right? And he is – I was looking at some of the numbers here. So in nine years playing in the league, he's, had, he's been hit 922 times, which is over 300 more than Russell Wilson, who's in second in terms of quarterbacks hit, obviously. Tim Keown from ESPN with the research there. 
So it's fair to say there's lots of wear and tear on him. He missed 14 games last season. He's had numerous operations. There is, and we all hope this isn't the case because he's so electrifying. But there is a real danger here that he's never going to get back to the level, even close to the level that he was, certainly the MVP season, but even the bounce back season, the year after the year after the MVP season, right? So big concern. Absolutely. Well, I think when you ask me about my excitement levels, if you're talking about three years ago, it probably was, was a 10 out of 10. Do you right. know what I mean? If you're going to get to Cam Newton from three years ago, you'll be through the roof. Whereas now, this, this is a genuine concern and something mm. you have to think about. You would like to think that he's, he's matured. You, you would want to think that Cam Newton's going to be a little bit more aware of what he needs to do, his decision-making and maybe getting rid of the ball and maybe ma- not going into certain plays. And then, of course, I think that the Patriot system will also protect him a little bit. You know, Tom Brady is probably the other end of the scale. He's probably been hit, you know, the least amount of all quarterbacks overall. Mm-hmm. And that's due to, obviously, the Patriots system, the way they play. Tom Brady is incredible decision-making, his quick release, all that kind of stuff plays a factor. So you're hoping that Cam Newton being in the system, which he's probably never been before, I don't think he's ever worked with someone at the level of Josh McDaniels and, um, and Bill Belichick. So, you know, no, no disrespect to Ron Rivera, North Turner, all those guys. But I think he's now coming to a certain level where I think this should benefit him. And we all hope that it's going to be um, that sort of match that's, that's going to work out perfect at this stage of his career. Well, Randy Moss was saying that, wasn't he? Just the level up, he felt, just organizationally, obviously. But, but in terms of the coaching he was getting, is a one from uh, Dean Faccini from social media. Uh, Asmir, who's going to win more games this season, Cam Newton or Tom Brady? Asks Dean. No, I, I still think I think, still think Tom Brady. Um, mm. I still think the Bucks have a. You know, I think the Bucks are stacked. Uh, if you, if you're looking at that, I mean, their their offense and what they're going to do and how good that team can be. I think you're looking at about a good 10 wins. And I think the Patriots are sort of around that eight to nine win range. So I would still, I would still pick the Bucks, in my opinion. Because I think last time we spoke, and you said, you're right, it was a couple of months back. And that's remiss of us. That's been far too long. But we, you were thinking at this stage, a six-win season, weren't you? You were talking about, I think that's what you're... So, you, so Cam buys you, assuming he, he starts and he's fit, three wins and maybe sneak a wild card? Yeah, I think, I think it's a couple of wins you know, of an upgrade to, 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 to Hoyer Stidham. I, I think that that's fair to say. Yeah. in an ideal, maybe an unbelievable scenario, he's maybe three wins. And, but I, he's definitely an upgrade. I think you can't, there's no doubt about it. If you can get 80, 90% of what Cam Newton was, I mean, this guy's still an electrifying player. And from what I've seen in his videos, and if it is genuine, how motivated he is and what he has left in the tank, then the Patriots are going to get someone who's highly motivated and obviously, incredibly skilled in that, in that position. So I do think he's, he's, he's definitely a couple win upgrades. Let's look around it then, because we want to understand and help, uh, you can help us understand where the, where the Patriots are at this season. Because like we said, a few months ago, pretty negative. Everybody, everybody's up big on the Bills. And of course, the Bills have brought Stefan Diggs in and the Dolphins are going to improve. The Jets, eh, we don't really know. But the Patriots had fallen from a lock the typical lock they are for the AFC East to maybe they might sneak in the back door, but it's unlikely. And now you've added Cam. What else has, has gone on since we last spoke and where are the Patriots at? That's what I want to get to. So let's start with the weapons around him because this was a huge issue, obviously, for, for the Patriots last season and for Brady last season. And things haven't 
dramatically improved there, right? So I like Marquis Lee, I like as a signing. I think that is a good shout. And I still believe in Mo Sanu. I still believe that Sanu can, can come good. But there is still, compared to as far back as I can remember, really, it's one of the weakest collection of, uh, of offensive talent, certainly in terms of demonstrable uh, performance. It might well be there's a huge amount of potential there in Kiel Harry that will suddenly blow up this year. But at the moment, how worried are you about the weapons around camp? Well, I still think overall when you look at the weapons, and that's why the Bills still going now as is the, is the division favorites because – everything they have around and uh, I think how well-rounded that team is now with that, you know, bona fide number one weapon is Stefan Diggs. Um, whereas the Patriots, it, it, this is the thing. It's all a little bit wait and see. There is, there's potential big upside. If you can get Cam Newton a certain level, that's, that's, that's a tremendous weapon. If Mo Sanu comes back, if he's healthy, he can be a very effective weapon. If, as you say, and kill Harry, if he takes that step up in the second year, that can be a very nice weapon, you know? And I think if it's, um, sorry, I was lost. Yeah, so I think if, if, if Devin Asiasi and those sort of guys settle in in the tight end position, yeah, they could, they couldn't play, play a role. Right. So this is the problem with the Patriots. We're a little bit wait and see. And that's why when I'm projecting the wins and looking at it, I can't be like, you know, we're looking at a 10, 10 win team here because there's just a few too many unknowns. You know, Julian Edelman, God love him. You know, he's one of my favorite players. You know, he can get banged up, and he's been banged up over the last few years. So it's all a little bit everything else. Is Sony Michelle really going to kind of take take that step forward as well, play with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder in a, in a sort of prove it year, right? Because there's, there's quite a few question marks on him. So there is quite a lot of question marks about the Patriots. But if it comes together now, and we all know the quarterback is arguably, and I think it definitely, I guess it's not arguably, definitely is the most important position. Now you have someone who's played the game, been a former MVP. This could all potentially look really, really good. But now there are some questions, and we're going to have to wait and see how those play out. How worried are you about Edelman? I mean, the, the, with Brady going and the, you know the, all that footage, of course, when they were... Were they, was it a Celtics game they're at the right game anyway and he's not going Syracuse and then I mean that's got that's got to hurt that's got to hurt a little bit he's, he's grown reunited with with Brady there and he wants to be in you know that as you say that electrifying Tampa uh, Tampa offense is Edelman I mean and also I was getting what you know he's always been big with his facial hair but I think lockdown in particular we were seeing <laughs> kind of early 90s WCW wrestling uh, beards from from Edelman there so uh, but in all seriousness, he's got, I mean, he's got a huge amount on his shoulders now as one of the leaders of the team. And he's always been that kind of player that leads by example, right? And he's just so clutch and such a go-to guy. But he's now invariably going to be one of the most seasoned pros in this locker room uh, and certainly offensively, one of the absolute leaders on the offense. Oh, 100%. I mean, he's he's going to have to stay fit. He's going to have to be that leader. He's going to have to produce as he's done for, for many years now and, you know, be at the top of his game to to contribute to this offense and help the Patriots win. And, and if he doesn't, then, yeah, it's, it's going to be difficult. You know, you, the Patriots, and when you look at, yeah, we, we keep comparing it to Tampa Bay, right? But if one of their weapons isn't having a great year, well, they still got three or four more. The mm. problem with the Patriots is there's not a lo- lot of room for error. And that's where you need these guys. Cam Newton needs to, needs to be good. You know, Julian Edelman needs to be good. Mosanu needs to be good. There can't be a so-so year. It can't be a right. so-so production because they need the absolute maximum from those players and 
And that's the question mark going to see. That's why still a little bit of that handbrake is on because you have to wait and see how this is all going to come together. And if it does come together, then listen, in that division, the Dolphins are still rebuilding as exciting as they are. The Jets, Jets, the Jets. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, yes, there's still that extra wild card. So, there, you know, there, there's lots to play for, right? Um, so, I wouldn't rule the Patriots out in any way, shape, or form. There's a lot more excitement now. I think whenever you have a quarterback and you look at some of the difference now, you know, Tom Brady has made in Tampa. You go from one being out of the playoffs to a Super Bowl contender. A quarterback can make such a big difference, and that's why the Cam Newton news is so exciting. And um, hopefully his, his supporting cast does their bit because, as we mentioned earlier, I don't. if this doesn't go well for the first five or six games, then – and I'm sure Julian Edelman and, and you know Joe Tooney, those sort of guys, will find find themselves in the trading block. They um, they're going to be great. It's a great point you make. Actually, you look at teams that the way they're built, and and inevitably fans always, well, typically anyway. I'm I'm speaking as a West Ham fan, where we rarely look on the on the on the upside. Although big win, big win last night against your old mob, but um, yeah. it's usually I'm usually surrounded by innate pessimism. We're going down. We're going to lose within minutes of any performance ever. But usually fans aren't like that and they look at the upside and they look at, well, actually, if he's on song and he has a thousand yard season and he weighs in with 10 touchdowns and, uh, but it is strength and depth. Absolutely. And I think that is on the basis that these players that we talked about, uh, Harry amongst them offensively don't progress significantly. And there isn't a huge amount of upside there. Then you are relying on quite a small sample size and it still can come together, particularly with the way this team's built defensively, right? And let's not forget that. I know there's been a bit of change there with, so Carl Van Noy's gone to Miami. Um, uh, Danny Shelton's gone as well, right? But, uh, and Jamie Collins also. So some, you know, significant names out of the frame, but still the, the, the majority of the top players in that unit and Belichick investing a lot of the draft in, in defense as well. The first three picks, I think, were, were defensive. Um, so this is going to be an incredibly hard team to break down again. And this, I think we knew this before the Newton signing and, and taking the offense out of it. This was always this season, 2020 Patriots, always going to be a defense first unit. Kind of well last season in many respects too, right? So I think there is yeah. cause for optimism. You look at that division and, you know, I'm saying this as a Dolphins fan, it's exciting, it's great, but there are so many unknowns there. Is Tua going to start? Is Fitz going to play for six games? We don't know some new faces to, you know, ingratiate there. And it's great that Byron Jones on paper looks terrific. But with this offseason, all these new faces we've got to add into, into the mix. The Jets, as you rightly say, the Jets and the Bills. I don't know if, we're getting, if people are getting a bit carried away with the Bills. And maybe you know, Josh Allen still got a lot to prove. And uh, yes, efficient, uh, sure. They're uh, more than that, uh, a very well-coached and rounded side. But then we're not exactly talking about one of the elite teams in the NFL in that division. So I think it's all to play for. It is all to play for because as much as, you know, I'd say the Bills are the favorites, but probably on a, you think looking at 10 wins to win this division. Right. I think if you get to 10 wins, you're going to, so we're not looking at 49ers and maybe that sort of NFC West where it's going right. to take you 13, 12, 13 wins for sure. Right. So that, that's a very competitive division. So, think if you get the 10 wins and that's why I talk about the Patriots if you're in that eight nine win range you know you're looking at maybe the division title but you're certainly looking at the playoffs and looking at the depth of the AFC as well so the, the Dolphins four and 12 was it last year so to go to go to six and ten even it, you know yeah, it's, it's, progress, it's a good right? step right yeah. it's a good progressive step so right. there there's a lot of 
a lot of things still happening at AFC East that um, that can move things around. But yeah, I, I would still go you know, in terms of the Bills. Just have to look at. I love their coach, Sean McDermott. Is you know I think proven to be a heck of a coach. And yeah, if Josh Allen is a question mark on him, if he takes another step forward, then then great. Stefan Diggs, yes, okay, he's proven. So you know what you're getting there. But yeah, they they look very strong. But I don't think this division is going to be the best division in football. So yeah, a couple of results here and there, and things can change very quickly. It would be a, a, a brilliant Belichick. Two fingers up at the NFL, and we've got to talk about the fine as well. I bet you're not, not so thrilled about that. But it, if <laughs> if you make the uh, make the playoffs with a seven and nine record, win the division, win the division, as the, I think the Panthers did a few years back, right? Seven and nine, Belichick could take that. What do you make of the fine? So uh, for for listeners who haven't seen that, the the filming of the Bengals sideline, which the Patriots insist was nothing to do with uh, uh, anything other than uh, content they were making for for. YouTube or social media, essentially for a, for a, a lifestyle entertainment show, right? There was nothing in it. You look at the footage as well. The it seems pretty reasonable to say there's nothing in it. It was B-roll of, of the Bengals sidelines, but the Patriots have, have taken a, a cash fine and a third round pick taken away from next year's draft, which is, is the real kicker, I think. So, do you feel victimized again? Is it the you know unfair, poor Patriots getting? picked on by by Commissioner Goodell in the NFL I mean it does this one to me from the outside looking in or you know with no skin in the game in terms of the Patriots looks harsh looks harsh yeah yeah I mean you're right I mean if it was anyone anyone else that the fine and the punishment for whatever reason wouldn't wouldn't be at this level and that's for sure but I think the Patriots have tried to push the boundaries in the past um, with these things and making sure they get as much an advantage as possible within within the lines and within the rules within the rules of the NFL, and of course within fairness. But um, they pushed them again here, uh, as you say. That their reasoning and everything looked genuine, but when you are a repeat repeat, repeat offender, then things things kind of go against you a little bit. I think I think the pick the pick is big. Um, I think that that's the, that's the part that hurts. I mean, I'm gonna you know. They're their cash fine. I'm just, the Patriots will be fine, I'm sure. But um, as well, the pick. I mean, God, that's like you know, it, particularly it's yeah. almost losing a, a third or fourth round pick for Belichick when he knows he could steal in there and, and you know get a Pro Bowler. That's that's going to annoy me more, right? I think that's that's the part that'll that'll annoy him, and and I'm hoping that it's going to motivate him a little bit more. You know, I mm. think every time this sort of stuff's happened in the past, something with the Patriots happened in the offseason, they seem to kind of play with that um, motivation in the next next season so hopefully they use this as something uh, as a bit as a bit of fuel for the team that's what i mean you see looking at always looking at the upside as always looking at the positive of course so things are looking up anyway for, for us generally and 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 certainly for, for the patriots and if we you know look at catching up again in seven eight weeks time hopefully by then the season will be starting you might well be on at 12 wins if we're going up so you went from six to eight to nine, you know, by, yeah, by. Like, who, who else is out there that we can sign to make us <laughs> a couple right. wins on a veteran's minimum? <laughs> Genevieve Cloudy uh, to the Patriots. That would be an interesting move. He's still, he's still hey, a bit. Yeah. yeah, seriously. Uh, he, he'd be a heck of a fit for some people. Yeah. Um, and more than welcome with the Patriots. Obviously our cap is, cap is a little bit tight. Um, so I don't know if we can afford that one, but. Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're sort of at the max now with the Patriots as, as constructed, as currently constructed, but you never know what can happen. The NFL is funny, and um, 
news happening all the time and you can never rule anything out. Would you have taken Cam out of all the, the veterans available? You know, Teddy, uh, uh, you had Dalton, Flacco. <laughs> You'd be taking up a Flacco. But uh, everyone that was on the market, everyone that you could have realistically got, Jameis Winston, would you have taken Cam over all of them? Yeah, I mean, 100%. I think, I mean, I, I would like to think that most teams would have. I think mm. the, only, the only question mark you can say about Cam compared to all these other quarterbacks is his health. There, there, is, there is nothing else. I mean, when, if you line all these guys up, you know, the Phillip Rivers, the Teddy Bridgewaters, all these sort of guys, James Winston, there's, you know, Cam Newton has to be number one on that list. It just has yeah. to be. So, yeah. you know, we've got to look at it positive. You, you'd like to think he's healthy. You want him to stay healthy. And if he does, then it's one heck of an, you know, an addition to the team. And, and again, especially for the economic reasons. I mean, just, just being able to get him on this sort of deal, whereas – Teddy Bridgewater's being paid quite big money and yeah. Philip Rivers got $25 million for one year. So when you see what those guys got paid and compared to what Cam Newton's getting, you know, he's definitely the number one and the number one quarterback out of that group for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair play. It is great to catch up with you, man. It's good to see you. How seasons of sports going? Rolling, rolling strong, I hope. Yeah, season sports is going strong. We just had an episode this week talking about the return of the Premier League, obviously a West Ham team. Great win, um, great win up. last night. So yeah, yeah, it's gonna be tight, but um, you know I'm sure it'll work out for you guys. So yeah, we're we're doing weekly episodes. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about the NFL in the, in the next couple of weeks and um, take it from there. But season of sports is going pretty strong. Brilliant, available at all good podcatchers. Asmit, really good to catch up with you, man. Stay safe, look after yourself, and we'll check in soon. Yeah. Thank you, Nat. All the best, man. Stay safe. Best wishes to you and your family. Thanks, man. Always great from Asmir, ditto J-Bell. You can catch up with both of them on this very show soon. That is an absolute promise. And speaking of catching up, we've got some great episodes in the archive. So if you haven't subscribed to us already, where the hell have you been all my life, frankly? Uh, make sure you do that, whichever podcatcher you listen to us on. And Marley and the crew rolling out content all week long on our social media channels at the NC Show, at the NC Show, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, I'll tell you what, even by next week, I might get Harry, the producer, to get us on TikTok. Uh, We'll see how we go with that. He doesn't look thrilled with that suggestion, although he's doing a mighty fine TikTok guy, I can tell you right now. So we shall see. But at the moment, not TikTok, but all the others. Speaking of next week, we're going to be revisiting a theme that we looked at a couple of weeks back with Brooke Pryor, Nikki Bandini, the most improved teams in the NFL. That episode, we had the Steelers and the Cardinals, respectively. Two more teams for you next week that we think are amongst the most improved. Who are they? Well, you have to listen to find out. We'll see you next week. Bye for now. The Nat Coombs Show is a Ted Fred Media Production for ESPN. Sports Social Podcast Network.